Okay, it's day one. I can't believe we're actually here. I can't either. Shall we gather? Let's do it. Hey, Mary, can you tell the writers we're meeting in the room? Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we'll talk about how to be a staff writer, not just a staff writer, but a great staff writer mm-hmm. on a television show. For those who don't know, staff writer is the lowest level writer on a show. It's a very tricky position. It is. And we will debate whether Sarah should go through with her insane plan to get a Flemish giant rabbit for her daughter, Violet. I guess that's a spoiler alert over how I feel about yes. it. Yes. <laughs> and finally, if you want to make it as a TV writer or screenwriter, our Hollywood hack is the one tool you absolutely must have. But first, we have an update. Yes. Our listener, Liz, I just noticed we've been doing letters from people with our names. Yes. Maybe we're drawn to this. I guess so. <laughs> okay. Our listener, Liz, wrote, I wanted to thank you for the Hollywood hack in episode 53, State the Obvious. My husband's job had been eliminated, and he had a short amount of time to find a new job in the company. He was understandably upset about having to give up a job he loved and look for a new one. This was coming across in interviews. After listening to your podcast, we talked about how he should state the obvious in job interviews. We worked out how he could phrase why he was looking for a job and why he was interested in the new position. It worked. He received a job offer. Yay! That's such great news. So great. Congratulations. Thank you for sharing that. I have to say, when I um, opened this letter in our inbox, I was having, like, a horrible, sad day. Um, And I read it, and just it totally brightened my day. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yes. And can we just say, it sounds like you and your husband have a very collaborative marriage that you communicate really well. Yes. um, Which is always nice to hear. It really is cool. Um, And also, you allowed us to give ourselves a pat on the back. So (laughs) thanks for that. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) We're really happy stating the obvious resonated and helped. And um, we appreciate that little pat on the back. Okay, Sarah, let's dive into our segment from the treadmill desks of in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And today it's all the first time staff writers starting their jobs. Yes, all over Los Angeles right now. There are people in writers rooms beginning their first jobs as actual writers on TV shows. I mean, we still so vividly remember our first day as staff writers. Beyond stressful. Everyone called us the Davids. Yes, because they didn't know if we'd be around long enough to remember our names. And there were a lot of people there that were named David. Yes. So we just (laughs) became more Davids. Davids. Um, But that was our second job. But the first one didn't last long enough for us to be promoted. Oh, right. So we were still (laughs) staff writers. Yes. (laughs) And by the way, for anyone who's not familiar with the term staff writer... Um, a staff writer is the first rung on the TV writer ladder. And it's probably the hardest job to get in television. The biggest jump is from not being a staff writer to being a staff writer. From there on, if you're good, you'll keep climbing. 
right. And there are so many misconceptions about being a staff writer. Um, people tell you you should talk or you should not talk. It's it's there's well, just a big mess out there of what you should do. And we want first time staff writers just to know what to expect. Yeah. Yes. And to discuss this subject, we've brought in a real life brand new staff writer from our show, The Fix. Yes. This is the most exciting moment yes. ever. I'm totally about to cry because our new staff writer, drum roll please, is our former assistant, Brooke Turner. Hi. Brooke, welcome! <laughs> so before we dive in, we need to catch everyone up. On the last episode, we shared that you are going to be the writer's assistant for The Fix, which is a coveted job in the industry just to get in the room as mm-hmm. a writer's assistant. But we found some extra money in our budget And we were able to hire you as an actual staff writer. So you are now, you've you've been promoted from writer's assistant to staff writer. Yes. I'm so excited. (laughs) We are excited. We are really excited and so happy. Um, So, Brooke, can you tell everyone, what was it like hearing the news? Because we tried to call you and we couldn't reach you. I know, you guys. I was in Hawaii Mm -hmm. and I was taking a nap. (laughs) <laughs> so now I'm going to, like, always take naps okay, when yeah. I want really good news. Um, yeah, I woke up. I saw a missed call, and I saw an email, and I was like, what? And then I called Liz back, and then Liz told me, and I just started crying on the phone. Oh, yeah, you were bawling. I was, I was like, Liz, I, I promise I'm happy. I'm really happy about this. <laughs> yeah, it was great. We tried to call you. Yeah. Sarah. It was yeah. so awesome. I was. That's one phone call I'm really sad I missed. But I feel like I know it because I know exactly how you would react. Like, I was right. not at all surprised. Liz texted, Brooke was sobbing, and I was like, yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I was with my friend, and I know we're grown women, but we were, like, jumping on the bed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy. All right. So you, Brooke, are starting this job. It's a new phase of your career. It's a big deal. Um, so let's talk about what to expect um, and what the job entails. Um, now, one thing I would say for starters, and you can, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but there's this idea out there that staff writers are not supposed to speak in the room. Have you heard this? I have heard that. And I've also heard that a lot of times in like the diversity programs that they have, they tell them not to speak. Uh, yes. And I think that's a huge mistake because. Writers are there to contribute. Now, obviously, you have to read the room, but we have yet to work with anyone who did not want staff writers speaking up and pitching ideas. Absolutely. And in fact, we have worked with several staff writers who really suffered because they were given that advice and took it to heart. Yes. And then you're just thinking, why are you just taking up the seat in the room. Like, the whole point is to be offering ideas and engaging in the conversation. And if you're not doing that, I mean, you're really not there just to listen. Yeah. And I mean, one thing uh, that is true is you don't, as a staff writer, want to, like, get an idea in your head and then keep pitching the same idea and, like, really get stuck on it when everybody else wants to move on. But that's entirely different from not pitching ideas. I mean, one of the best qualities a TV writer can have is just to be a font of ideas. And we all know that most ideas suck. I mean, that's to be expected, right? 99 ideas out of 100 are going to be rejected from all of us. So that's no reason not to contribute. Yes. And often 
we will say, okay, I'm going to pitch this idea that doesn't work. Right. Because it might lead to something that does. And, you know, there's nothing worse than feeling like you're going to be judged on Mm -hmm. a bad idea. So just know. We're not going to judge you no, on a bad idea. Oh, thanks. We don't. <laughs> I think I gave you guys plenty while I was yeah. working. And you gave us a lot of good ideas, <laughs> which is why you got the job. Exactly. And we don't judge each other on our bad ideas. Mm-mm. We have terrible ideas yes. all the time. It's just part of the job. Yes. And um, now one thing, Brooke, you are a very confident person, so I don't know that you would have this issue, but I think a lot of people coming into writers' rooms are not confident Um, And so one thing that I think they can do um, if it's really hard for them is to share ideas with other writers, not the showrunner, first. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you've talked to friends who do that or if you think um, that's a good idea. That sounds like a great idea. This is nice that you have this podcast and now I'm getting all these tips ahead of time, (laughs) all the inside info. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we people have done that with us when we weren't running a show, when we were just consulting on a show. A staff writer would come to us and say, mm-hmm. what do you think about this idea? And you can help them kind of develop it into something that they want to pitch in the room if they're afraid. Yes. Now, one thing I do want to point out is that I think it can be easy for staff writers to kind of want to avoid the showrunner because it's intimidating. I mean, I know for me, when we first started, I would do anything to avoid speaking to a showrunner or being left alone, God forbid, in a room. (laughs) I'd be like, don't leave me alone with Joss. I don't know what to say, please. Um, Just because that person seems like so far removed. But what we have learned over the years is that it's really important, even as a staff writer, to develop a relationship with whoever is running the show. You don't want to depend on people down, you know, other people to sort of pass on how great you are. You want that person to see for herself or himself how great you are. Yes. How do you do that, though? What's your what's your suggestion on developing that relationship in a way that isn't annoying because right. there are times when yes. that could be irritating. Yes. Brooke obviously has a relationship with us. This yes, is not going to be not an issue. issue for Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you don't have this problem. Um well, I mean the one thing to do which Gretchen and I have discussed um on Happier um our other podcast is it sounds like really kind of like a um, cheating almost, but it works, which is if you know the person you're working for has a favorite TV show. Oh, yes. Watch that TV show. Mm-hmm. And then you can talk to them about it. I mean, this isn't just for a staff writer, obviously. This goes for any job on the planet. You TV is a great way to have an ongoing conversation. I mean, yeah, it's great if, if they have a favorite movie, but that's one conversation. A TV show unfolds over, you know, 13 weeks. So you can have, like, if if you're a Game of Thrones show, watch Game of Thrones so you can join that conversation every week. And then sort of on the in-the-work environment uh, plane, there's also just look for holes that need to be filled. Mm, yes. Um, so, for example, if... Like on our show, there's a it's a legal show. Obviously, Marsha Clark has a fair amount of legal knowledge. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if there's something that we need to know that we don't know, going home that night and doing a little research and sending an email about it is both a good way to kind of make a a specific spot for yourself. Like mm-hmm. this is a thing that I do. Yeah. And develop a 
relationship. Yes. With the showrunner, who'll then be like, ooh, Brooke sent that interesting email, and we should talk more about that. And yes. Brooke will be sending emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and another thing you can do is write on the board. You know, yeah. we, our um, thing is that we always write ideas and outlines up on a big whiteboard or several whiteboards. And if you have decent handwriting and you're willing to stand up there and write, it's it's a really great service to provide because we have a writer's assistant, but the writer's assistant is taking notes. You don't want the writer's assistant stuck at the board because then he or she isn't taking notes. And I think it's also a good way to start to understand structure mm-hmm. because you're going, OK, this beat feels like an act break. So it'll go at this position mm-hmm. on the board. This beat feels like kind of a mid act beat. So it'll go in this position on the board, like just sort of on a global level. It's mm-hmm. a good way to understand how breaking happens. Yes. Now, another thing I would say, Brooke, is and I don't you know, again, knowing us, this will be less of an issue for you. But I think it can be, even if you want to pitch in the room, it can be impossible to get a word in because TV writers are a very talkative bunch who tend to have big personalities and just like <laughs> go at it. And if they're the more experienced they are, sort of the more they do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you feel like I just can't get a word in, you can always write down pitches mm-hmm. and send them in an email, mm-hmm. um, which, again, just lets people know that you are thinking you are contributing. Yeah. And I would just say go easy on yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, don't beat yourself up if you feel like you're not following the conversation. Yes. This is huge. Because – Writer's room conversation moves very fast. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like going to a foreign country Mm -hmm. if you, like, half speak the language. Right. And you go in feeling confident, like, yeah, I know Swedish. I'll be fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then you get there, and it's like everyone's like, blah, 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 blah. And you realize, oh, shit, I know a lot less than I thought I knew. Right, because it's a nonlinear conversation. A lot of times you'll think everyone's talking about Act 1, Somebody will say something and then someone else will go, oh, so then the end of Act 4 is this. And you go, wait, what are we talking about? Right. I have no idea what we're talking about. And when there are a bunch of really experienced people, we've all sort of done a mental calculus that shifts everything around in our heads yes. and totally get that. You don't know how to do that yet. And that's fine. But just like it can get very confusing. Yeah, I mean, f- I remember being oh, so overwhelmed. Just exhausted. Yeah. I mean, the first few weeks, you may just be so exhausted at the end of the day mentally. Um, so don't worry. It will yeah. get much easier. Um, and also, when we say send pitches or whatever, everybody out there, you don't have to do that like every night. No. Like, don't go crazy. Here. Don't overwhelm people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't overwhelm people. with It's a, it's a balance to it strike. Is. Yeah. Um, what do you have any, Ooh, what, that's a lot. how you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> um, I recently took this writing workshop uh-huh. and they had us read a book. I wish I remembered the name of it, but, um, they talked a lot about the growth mindset uh, and yeah. that was really helpful. Carol mindset. Yeah. Yep. Growth mindset versus yeah. fixed mindset. Okay. We'll link to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really helpful because, um, in thinking about pitching in the room, it makes you more comfortable feeling like, okay, this may or may not be a good idea, but I'm going to share it, hoping that we get somewhere. And you don't feel like if you're wrong, it's bad. Well, that's you're a great like always attitude. working on yes. getting better and learning. Yeah. So 
I'm just going to take that book with me into the room every single day. Just cradle it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another great thing to do, which I'm sure you'll do, you're a very social person, is bond with the other writers, especially other lower level writers. You know, have drinks, go to dinner, make friends. Because, I mean, look, our business has a lot of stabbing each other in the back, a lot of bad behavior, but you also can make the best friends. And some of the people we trust most in the world are people that we've worked with. And yeah. it doesn't matter if we don't see them for 10 years. It's like we fall right back into an amazing relationship if we happen to, you know, happen upon them crossing the, a lot. <laughs> so um, you're going to make some great friends. So I encourage you to, you know, embrace your new colleagues. Yes. All the staff so writers excited. out there, don't feel threatened. Here's the other thing. It's very easy when you're in that position to go, oh, my gosh, this person at my level is doing better than I am. I'm threatened by them. Mm -hmm. Just try it's just try not to ever feel that way. Try to just focus on what you do and don't worry about what they do. Yeah. Which is easier said than done, of course. I think I'll just have to channel my track life because mm. I was always in a lane and I just had to like focus on my lane. So that's oh, what I'll do. Oh, OK. I'll do my best. <laughs> no promises. Well, also being on a team. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I, I'm. Yes. Don't know much. But, right? Are you, yeah, you're on you're a, team, a team, but you also have your but lane. you have your lane, yeah. Okay. I'm going to think about it that way, too. Um, well, you're going to be amazing. Thanks. I have no yeah. doubt. Thanks, ladies. It's going to be really fun <laughs> for us to have you in the room and being a part of our show. Yeah. Uh, and your show. It's now all of our shows. Yay. Well, and you really have. This is kind of the second iteration of a show that we did with Marsha. Yes. And you were there at the very beginning. So it feels very full circle. And yes. We're very excited. Yes. I am, too. Now, everybody out there, um, obviously, every industry has entry-level positions, that first big job. We'd love to hear from people, advice to those who get that first big break. Um, what do you do when you're in that job? Because I think it can be really overwhelming and scary. And um, the more tools you have, the better. Absolutely. So let us know at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And if you're a staff writer somewhere right now, hang in there. You got this. And speak up. Speak up. Next up, I'll try to convince Sarah not to buy an enormous rodent for her daughter. But first, an ad break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no-prep, no-mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, now it's time for a segment we call LVS, Liz versus Sarah, in which we discuss slash debate, something we may not see eye to eye on. Uh, my daughter Violet's birthday is coming up, and I am going to get her a giant Flemish rabbit. 
Liz does not want me to buy a rabbit for Violet. Yes, I just think we should discuss this. This is really <laughs> a good plan. We've mentioned it before on the podcast that yes. you were thinking about it. Yeah. And I expressed a little bit of hesitation slash dismay. <laughs> but now I think we need to really get into it. Okay. Okay, the thing is, I mean, getting a rabbit is one thing. That alone I would find to be a lot to take on. You have two dogs. And don't you have fish? We have one fish. We okay. have a beta fish. Um, but this isn't even an ordinary rabbit. It's a Flemish giant rabbit. Um, which, <laughs> If anyone wants to hear our initial discussion about this, you can listen to episode 49. But they are huge. I mean, it's the size of a dog and not a tiny dog, kind of a middle-sized dog. And it's a, more work than a dog. Well, okay. From what I understand. You're, you're right. They, they are huge. In fact, um, when I showed you the picture of this rabbit um, that we're getting online, you literally, like, like recoiled. Your eyes, like, got saucer-sized and your whole body, like, just, like, pulled back yeah. with revulsion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think they're really cute. There's... Um, one of these rabbits at the school that Violet is going to go to, and they're so, they're really, they're huge. Yeah, they're granted, they are huge, uh, but they're adorable. And, you know, I'm a researcher. Mm-hmm. I yes, you am are. very, um, when I'm about to do something, I read all about it and find out everything I can and all the things I'm going to need and all of this. And I actually picked the giant Flemish because all rabbits are a ton of work, Um and all rabbits um, have very specific needs, but I felt like the giant or the Flemish giant actually was a rabbit that could kind of integrate into our family in a, in an easier way. Like because it's so big, the dogs aren't going to be like, oh, "I want to eat you," right? Um, and uh, uh, so anyway, I'm just saying it's not like a just a random kind of choice of rabbit or like I'm I'm like this is the craziest rabbit I can get. So I'll get this one. I actually have legitimate reasons for choosing this particular rabbit. What about the fact that everyone says they chew through everything, including electrical cords? Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> what are you going to do about that? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I'll do whatever I have to do. I'll, you know, I will put... PVC pipe on the cords, which seems to be the thing to do, um, and or kind of, you know, I have dog gates throughout my house, mm. um, so keep the rabbit in a room that doesn't have a bunch of cords around. So it won't be in a cage. It'll just be hop. Does it even hop? Can it hop? <laughs> Does it shuffle? I assume it hops. No, it'll have an indoor cage and an outdoor cage. Okay. Um, the outdoor one will have a big run attached. And the indoor one is like a giganto dog cage um, that's really just for sleeping. Um, so we'll kind of take it in and out, and it'll have outdoor running around time. I guess what's interesting to me, and you and I have been having this debate for like 30 years, I think, <laughs> that I always feel like you choose to make your life harder. You know, I'm like, yes. you're an only parent. You have two dogs. You're running a show. <laughs> your daughter is starting kindergarten. You, I mean, you have a lot going on. And to add uh, an exotic pet to the mix, it just well, feels like, like I'm getting the a straw cougar. that breaks the camel's back to me <laughs> as your friend. Right. 
I get that, but I also, to me, I think of it as well. First of all, you know, I like projects,、mm, um, yes. and I kind of can't have too many projects. I like having steps to take and things to do, and、um, so for me, that's fun. And then at the end of it, you have a bunny. But I also think it's the say yes to a larger life、mm. um, and kind of embracing. Things and you know you whenever you bring something new into your life, there's an adjustment period that's difficult, and then you integrate it. You know when we got our second dog, it, at first it's like ah God, now I have、right. to do this and that, and and it's the same thing. It's you just sort of go through those difficult like two months, and then that new element is integrated into your life, and it's all fine. And you know life is about embracing、mm-hmm. things. I don't know. <laughs> See, like I think it's sad that you don't that you don't get enjoyment from pets. Like I get so much enjoyment from my dogs,、yeah. and I think we'll get enjoyment from the giant <laughs> rabbit. You know, and the like the enjoyment balances out the additional work. Right. I think I'm just not an animal person. Yeah. In general, right. It's not like I hate animals. Some I hate rodents <laughs> of any kind. But、um, they just don't give me the pleasure that they give you. I、right. don't. I don't like having petting a dog. Does not like give me an endorphin rush. As、right. some people, it does, which I think is just like heartbreaking. I and I think it's great because <laughs> then I don't have to go around, you know, wishing、um. I had every dog I saw. Well, that's I'm open、true. to getting a dog, by the way. Yeah,、When、you are. We're ready. We're all going to get a dog, and I'm sure I will love the dog, and I、yeah. love my dog growing up. It's just that I don't feel like my life is missing something when I don't have a dog. Right. Whereas I do. If my if I don't have a dog, I feel like I just I don't even know where I live. Well, I will say on the on the positive side that I do think Violet will be very popular at school, having this huge rabbit, <laughs> and everyone will want to come to Violet's house and、yes. see the giant rabbit, and it will be a conversation starter. Yeah, and I want to be very careful about how I say this because、um, one thing that I think pets are good for is teaching responsibility to kids,、mm. but kids can't be responsible for pets, right? Um, I think that's a common mistake that people make. You get a pet and think your kid is、yeah. going to take care of it. Yes, and that is a hundred percent the wrong approach. Right. Parents are always responsible for the pet. Right. But having a pet really does teach kids. And you, I mean, you have a cat. Jack totally gets yes, this. Yes, he like, loves his cat. Yeah, and it teaches kids about empathy and about responsibility and just sort of like I think it's part of being a whole human being.、Yes. There are people out there who probably hate pets even more than you and think. That's not true. Well, but you but, do have two dogs and a fish, so we、yes. have that lesson has been taught. But okay, it's your <laughs> life. If you want a giant rabbit, I just please keep it away from me. <laughs> You're gonna love this rabbit. No, you're gonna love it. I'm gonna name it after you. Oh my god! <laughs> All right. Next up, we have a screenwriting Hollywood hack. Less of a hack, actually, and more of a must. But first, an ad break. Okay, Sarah. It's time for this week's Hollywood hack, and it seems so obvious,、yeah. but yet we have never done this as a hack. And it's Final Draft, the screenwriting program. If you want to make it as a writer in Hollywood、um, or New York or you know or anywhere else,、um, you've got to have Final Draft. If you don't have it, you forget it. You're yeah. doomed. Yeah.、Um, It's like saying you want to be a sailor without a sailboat. Exactly. 
Um, and if you don't know what Final Draft is, it's the industry standard screenwriting software. People will try to tell you to use other things like Movie Magic or Celtics, but Final Draft is the standard. That yeah. is what people expect documents to come in. Like yes. Executives are expecting a final draft document. Yes. And it's the one that you need to be fluent with in order to have a career. Yes. And the idea that like, I mean, one, it just you want the tools of a trade. Whatever right. you are, you want to have the tools of that trade. If I you're think, an artist, you need a paintbrush. Yes. And in this case, it's like to sit down and write a script with final draft it makes you more of a professional, even yeah. before you've sold anything. It's like saying, I take myself seriously mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to use the industry standard. Yes. And like it isn't cheap. No, no, it's you not. Know, it's, it's quite expensive. expensive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you can get it while you're a student, because it's about $250, Mary says. Which is um, much cheaper than it is normally. Right. Um, so if you still have a student ID, <laughs> you know, jump right now and get final draft. And this reminded me of a letter we got from someone who said, like, when you say when you talk about something and say it's not an ad, is it really not an ad? Right. <laughs> this is not an ad for final yeah, draft. This is for real not an ad. No one is giving us any money for saying this. Um, it's just it's a really important thing. It's the tool you must have. Yes. Um, and it's very easy to use, by the way. So yeah. don't be intimidated. It's much easier than trying to write a script without it. Right. So and like Word. It's very intuitive. Yeah. So get Final Draft and write that script. Damn, Damn it. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Special thanks to Brooke Turner for joining us today. Thank you to our producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everybody here at Sancola Sound. Thanks to the awesome ad team at Panoply. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins, for helping us juggle the insanity that is our lives right now. And for being in charge of moving our offices. Yes. <laughs> and as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram, at SFame, and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. So, Brooke, like, what are you most excited about or not excited about, <laughs> about being a staff writer? Oh. oh. I've realized over the past year I'm really controlling. Mm. So oh. I am not excited about... You know I like that. ...walking into this, like, unknown what is, you know... Um, but at the same time, I'm trying to embrace that. I'm really excited about the possibility. I went to House of Intuition before you guys called me and got this candle, and it was a road opener candle, and I lit it, and I set my intention, <gasps> and then the candle went out, and then you guys called me. So. Oh, no. my God. I just yeah. got chills. It's fate. We have to get one of those candles. I know.